Welcome to the Craft to Career Podcast with Elizabeth Chapel, where every week we dive into how you can turn your craft into a successful career. Get ready to have the career you've always dreamed of. Hello, and welcome to episode 66 of the Craft to Career Podcast. I am Elizabeth Chapel of Quilters Candy and the host of the podcast. This week we have Karina Gardner, who is the guest. Karina is someone who I met years ago. You're going to hear that story in the podcast. She is one of those people who I love to just learn more about. I just am very intrigued. So she's one of those who is just killing it with her business. And I really mean killing it. And so I, I wanted to get behind the scenes. Like, what are you doing? What is working here? And learn from her. And I mean, Karina has a healthy following on Instagram, right? It's like 18,000 right now of when I'm recording this intro, but she's not focusing all of her energies on, on that. You know, I mean, she's posting consistently like once a day, every day, but her growth and her success is coming from other areas. And that's always intriguing to me. Like, I want to know, do I need to play this game? Do I have to do this every day? Like, where where is the success coming from for people? And so I am really excited for you to get a peek behind the curtain there with Karina and what how she's having success and what she does. So, I mean, just to, I'll let her introduce herself, but she is a fabric designer for Riley Blake, but she does so much more than that. And I also love hearing ideas of different ways to, to earn money. Like what are the different revenue sources that are available out there and what can that look like for me? So this is a really fun episode and I just can geek out on business stuff with Karina, which you're going to hear, but you can also benefit from this by learning from our conversation. So let's jump in and let me introduce you to Karina Gardner. I am so excited to have Karina Gardner here. Karina, for our listeners, can you introduce yourself and tell us what you do? Yeah, I am a fabric and paper designer. Um, I have a PhD in design and I was the creative director of Cardabella, which is a scrapbooking company, sister company to Echo Park. And at this moment, I still design um, fabric for Riley Blake, paper um, for Silhouette. I do mostly digital and 3D at this point. And I own a design program called Design Suite where we teach designers or people who want to become designers how to make money being designers. Awesome. Okay. So I already, the questions are like pouring through my mind. But before I jump down that road, can you tell us how this journey has looked for you? How did you begin as a creative entrepreneur and how has it kind of morphed, you know, just share your journey of that. Yeah, I, um, so I came out with a PhD thinking I was actually going to be a dean of a college. I had total plans to just be a professor. (laughs) Yeah, that, I mean, that was it. Um, because I, you know, I had all this research, we did all this short-term work on logos and, you know, I was preparing for a long career as a professor. Um, my specialty was typography and packaging design. I taught the seniors and juniors and I loved it. I, I, I really loved teaching. Well, at the time I had a newborn baby and a three-year-old. I have three kids now, but just little. And I just thought, you know what? I, I think for just a few years, I think I want to do freelance. 
And so I started freelancing a little bit, really loved it. And um, I loved the freedom of it. I didn't love having to track down clients all the time, right? Like to have to bring in the business. And back then there were not a lot of ways to bring in business except for a referral, right? Like, I mean, now there are so many great ways, the online ways to do freelance business, but back then it was all referral. Um, so I had a girlfriend tell me about digital scrapbooking and she was like, Oh, I think you should get into this. It's like a way to be flexible, but like you can just peddle your goods digitally. So I kind of got into that, didn't make a ton of money doing it. Um, but kind of figured it out. And, and if you want to hear the whole story on that, you can join one of my design boot camps because I tell the whole story on that. But Basically, after doing it for almost a year, I got a bigger digital scrapbooking contract. A month later, I got a paper contract. And six months later, I got a fabric contract. So um, my fabric contract um, I started out with was Northcott um, and uh, really enjoyed being with them. I was there. I did about five lines for them before I switched over to Riley Blake. Um, somewhere in the meantime of that, I got invited to become the creative director of Cartabello with Echo Park. We, we built that company around myself and designers that I had on my design team. Um, did that for a long time. Loved, loved that. Um, and uh, slowly and surely built up my design business in such a way that um, I just, I felt really lucky. I've had this amazing design career, lots of contracts with lots of people, but also built this amazing, um, residual income piece with all this like digital product on the, the internet. So if you had a pie chart of like where your income is coming from, where are the different pieces of the pie coming from? Mm -hmm. Well, I can tell you right now, this very second contracts is maybe less than 5% of our income. Mm -hmm. 95% of the income for, for the design business. This is very different than the class business, right? Because people will often ask me, well, like, do you make all your money from classes? I'm like, well, I only have been teaching like my design suite program for, I don't know, at the time of recording this for only a little bit over a year. So most of my income is as a designer. What I'm teaching is actually what, what I actually do for a business. Um, so 95% of that business comes from digital products. So digital okay. online assets. Very interesting. Okay. This is very fascinating. And I actually want to touch on that because I think people get skeptical and there is some out there where people are selling a course for, let's say how to teach an online course, but their money is coming from teaching that, you know, it's not like they aren't super qualified to be teaching because they don't have a product out there. Their product is the course that they're selling. But yeah. you are saying like you have your money forever has come from your design stuff. And so you teach people that multiple six figures. That's the thing I think. And, and I did it without much of an audience at all for years and years and years and years. We only started working on audience building um, about a year ago. Before that, like I was an incognito designer. I think people knew about me just because I was in the crafting industry, because I was a creative director, because of, and I had taught some courses in the past. But the truth is that good designers shouldn't be relying all of their money on contracts. There are so many ways to make money as a designer. We try to teach all those different ways in our design suite program, because the truth is good, successful designers have multiple streams of income. Absolutely. And you were earning multiple six figures just from your design stuff. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. 
Oh, that's very intriguing. Okay, so for my audience, which is mostly quilters, but there's people who are dabbling in, they want to design fabric, or let's just say they like to draw. Do you, do you work with people who already know Adobe products? Do you teach Adobe stuff? Yeah, we do a little bit of everything. So Design Suite's a super fluid program. We've done this on purpose because we get the person who comes in who literally knows zero Illustrator or all they've played in is Procreate. Like, you know, people are getting on the iPad now, which we like love. Like that is awesome. So people who are dabbling in Procreate or maybe um, from 10 years ago, tons of people who just learned Photoshop. When the truth is that We've got to use Illustrator in order to do final products and to get in um, repurposed work. So one of the things that I really teach people is to become smart, like working hard. I am all for it. We need to all work hard. But the ones who are making it are the ones who are smart. And that means repurposing your artwork in multiple formats all over the internet, which is what I've been doing for years. And I was sort of surprised when I started teaching that people were like, wait, what? what do you do? And I was just like, wait, is this not something people do? <laughs> it's turned into one of our main strategies in design suite, which is we take one piece and over years times, we are repurposing that piece in multiple different formats, digitally and in contracts. And, and there are great ways to do that. So um, I think it's important to talk to people about becoming smart. Just because you want to become a fabric designer doesn't mean we can't also take that piece of art and put it into scrapbooking and put it into digital scrapbooking and add it into clip art and digital sticker sheets. There are just so many ways that we can market this one piece to a lot of different audiences. That is so smart. And for my favorite fabric designers, I want to have that design on something else. I would love to have it as wallpaper or like something to hang in my room or, you know, like I, because I love it, I would love to see it in other formats. And now that I am a fabric designer, I'm starting to think, wait a minute, how else could I use these things in other areas? You know, I've already got this work of art that's working, you know, how else can I use that and earn an income from that? So that's intriguing. Well, I was going to say that we totally have fabric designers in the program. So, and sorry, I didn't quite finish that. That was my fault because um, I got on a tangent. I'm really good at that. So um, am I. <laughs> one of the things that's been really interesting about Design Suite is we do get the people who know zero, like no illustrator, nothing. They come in at ground one. But then we have seasoned designers, people who have fabric lines, people who have contracts come into the program, they're getting something totally different out of the program than the person who is starting brand new in Illustrator. And then we have everything in between. And we've done this on purpose and, and we've made it work for all levels because there are 17 courses in the program. So there are 17 courses that you get lifetime access to, but even more than that, we do, it's live meetings. So it's live meetings every month. So that means everybody is getting their questions answered, their level answered. And so they're getting what they need out of the program. So, and I thought of that because you are, you just got a, an amazing fabric contract. I'm so excited for you. You are so sweet to bring that up. Yes, I am thrilled. I'm really excited. Art Gallery Fabrics is who I have loved forever. And yeah, I'm really thrilled, which I remember. Okay, you might not even know that I was there, but you had a booth at Quilt Market years ago and you had your camper. You brought a camper. Oh, yes. <laughs> Do you remember? Well, of course you remember. That was a big deal. 
But yeah, I think I, I won an award for that. I think yes. it's the only award I've ever won for a booth. But yeah, I had my, it was my glamper. I have a turquoise polka dot glamper that we pulled into the booth. And that was, that was really fun. I think that line was Posey Garden. That was a long time ago. It was. I know. I'm dating myself in the industry, which is weird because I felt like a newbie forever, but I'm not anymore. But um, that I just remember that's when I, you were on my radar and I was like, who is this glamper girl? And I walked in, it was a whole experience, but you, you know, your design stuff, you know, like coming from just that experience, you know what you're talking about. But I did want to, um, touch on the fabric design for my listeners and my audience who are quilt pattern designers, fabric designers, and they mesh over. We had chatted before we started recording a little bit about when you, you signed with Riley Blake, which what was the time period ish? Oh my heavens. I don't even know. Okay. Uh, <laughs> like, honestly, it's been well over a decade I've been with them. And then I, I'm now to the point where I only do one line a year for them. But early on, I was doing like three lines some years, couple lines one year. So I wish I could just date it back by fabric line, but I tried doing that the other day and it was not the right date. <laughs> <laughs> Time is a funny thing. You know, I'm like, I, it was yesterday or 10 years ago. I couldn't tell you, but uh, so we, we were chatting though about when you started with Riley Blake, you did not need to know how to write quilt patterns. Um, tell me more about that. Yeah, this is a really interesting thing. And I think those of you who are really interested in getting in fabric design, I think Elizabeth has done some things that's made her prime candidate. I'm not surprised at all that Art Gallery wanted her um, because you've got to have the design know-how, right? So there's that piece of it. But the strategic piece for you at this point is also knowing how to write quilt patterns, design quilt patterns, and having an audience, those three things are very, very helpful at this point in time in getting a fabric contract. If you don't have those things, you're going to have to build those things. Um, and so that it becomes like an all encompassing thing to get that fabric contract. It's appealing to a fabric company, you know, because like we were saying, there are so many talented artists out there. And so to make yourself stand out a little bit, which you're very lucky at the time because you you do not write your own quilt patterns, but you've been in this business long enough that that, that worked out really well for you. you know? Yeah. And so, and so what Elizabeth is alluding to is right now, if you get a fabric contract, very often you are in charge of creating the quilts on your storyboards. You're often in charge of creating the quilts maybe uh, that would show up for quilt mark. I mean, there's like a number of different things. I didn't do any of those <laughs> for my patterns. And the reason is because I've been around so long that early in the days we didn't, they, they were really hiring just designers, you know? And so because I was just a designer, even though I do design quilt patterns now, and, and that is a part of our overall all arching strategy in my design part of my business, it's not something I have a lot of time for. So Riley Blake is so amazing and they totally write my quilt pattern for my storyboards and they do um, a number of different um, quilters who use my fabric line when they're promoting it. Now, of course, I do a lot of promotion. I actually do reach outs to shops and all that other stuff. But my part in the business feels really different than what current fabric designers have to do. Like what Elizabeth has been telling me what she's been doing is not really all the stuff that I'm doing in my fabric business. Yeah. And I am super curious. So pivoting a little bit, 
I want to say, how did I learn about this? You have a business coach that you work with, Stacey Tushel. Yes. And I think you, you were the one who told me about her. And so I've kind of been like listening and dabbling in, but can you share why you have a business coach, what she does for you and how that's helped your business? Yeah. I mean, so for me and, and you really do cater to people on this podcast who are trying to understand business. Is that correct? Elizabeth? Mm -hmm. Yep. So here's the deal. You guys, I think everybody thinks if you're a designer, it's just fun. You're just illustrating all the time and you're just, you know, just designing all the time. It's just this amazing, flexible life. And the truth is that 50% of your time should be done designing and 50 should be done in strategy. There should be all the strategic ways you should be distributing and selling your artwork. And because those two pieces, that's like the design plus the business part. If you don't have those two pieces, you will see, I hear this all the time. Oh, the, the design industry or the fabric industry is so saturated. There's no room for me. When the truth is there's lots of room. There's just lots of people out there who are just doing the design part. As long as you're willing to come in and do the business part, you can win. Now, a lot of times people are like, but I don't understand the business part. And I'm like, and that's why we created Design Suite, because so many times you can go out there and you can learn Illustrator. You can learn how to create a repeat pattern. You can learn how to do the fabric piece. And we just found that people weren't learning how to create strategy, how to run their business, how to actually make money as a designer. And um, so that's why we created the Design Suite program for that very very businessy piece that seems like so scary when the truth is all of it is all about distribution, figuring out how to sell your stuff. Absolutely. And also I want to talk about this idea of spending money to earn money. So I have invested so much. I would love to tally up how much I have spent on education and mentors. I mean, this year alone, I hired a mentor for $10,000 and it's already in uh, two months. I've earned that back immediately. Like, so can you speak to that on spending money to earn money? Yeah, I think, well, so one of the things we talk about all the time is um, in my program is how we're willing to invest in college education for our kids, right? So like we spend 40 to $60,000 on our kids to go to a four-year degree with actually zero expectation that they will get a job at the end of it. We just <laughs> hope and think that they're going to get a job, right? I know this because as part of the university system <laughs> as a professor, right? We're teaching great design in a university platform. And, and honestly, anybody who comes to me and says, you know, I'm thinking I'm going to go back to university And I'm like, great, do it. But then just know when you come out, you're also going to have to get in like about five years of experience just to get to where you need to be. So here's the deal. We're willing to invest in our kids. And it's so crazy to me that women are unwilling to invest in themselves, in their their businesses, because I'm like, you need the same kind of level of education, which is why like someone like you has gotten a business coach, why someone like me has a business coach and why we provide, I know you're gonna, you're about to be doing this, providing that kind of mentorship and teaching because we have to invest in ourselves in order to get the next level. Here's the thing that people don't really pay attention to and they're not thinking about. If you aren't investing, somebody else is, and that puts them two steps in front of you. And most things, most good things, as I've figured out because I've been investing in myself, all happen behind a paywall. And people don't like to hear that because they're like, I can get it all for free. And I'm like, truthfully, all the good information, it happens behind the paywall. It just does. 
Mm -hmm. And you can read, and I've done it. I've read books and everything, and I'm like, okay, I get it. But to have someone who can look at your exact business and your business model and help you specifically and say, okay, for you in this situation, try this. It's so much different, and it's so helpful to have someone who can look at your business. And I've seen that with my students. I'll teach a course, and I teach, 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 and then I have a one-on-one -on -one coaching call, and to help them in their it's like blinders are moved and they're like, oh, so that's what that would look like for my business, you know? It is a mindset shift, don't you think? And also I think you're so busy in your lane doing what you do that it really does take someone else coming in and saying, hey, if you just move that flower over there and maybe push this over here and then scale this down right here, I think it would be better. It's like, it's like those three little things um, this just happened. So we have mentor meetings um, in my program twice a month with Lee, once a month with um, Mastermind. And it is crazy the stuff that because I'm looking at all, anybody who submits their stuff, we're, we're going through and we're dissecting it, dissecting it, making it better. And even the people on the side that haven't submitted stuff, they're like, oh my gosh, I hadn't thought to do that. Oh my gosh, I couldn't believe that you just did that. Oh my gosh, I need to change the scale on my fabric or I need to, whatever. It's just that kind of input, that real life input, not the thing from the book that tells you the general thing, the actual fabric line getting ripped to shreds so that it is better. That is the thing that changes people's lives. That's the thing that makes you better as a designer. Absolutely. And from a business standpoint, to, to put it in a different spin, I have, I teach people like, don't make your business about you, you know, focus on the customer and how you can benefit them. And I had a, a, an opt-in that was just on fire going crazy. And I could see by email three, people were unsubscribing and not clicking. I was like, what's going on? I hired a copywriter to look at that third email. And she was like, this is all about you. This doesn't apply to your customer. I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I teach people. But I'm so blind to my own thing that I couldn't. So having an outside eye come and tweak that, whether it's design or business or quilt pattern, there's so much advantage to having an outside eye, which are you, you're part of a mastermind, right? Oh yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. And what does, tell me what, that looks like. I still yeah. have yet to join one. I actually, I actually modeled my design suite program. It's a mastermind program after the mastermind that I am currently in. So that is the same one that's through Stacy Tischel. So we, we really, to me, a good mastermind, um, includes a, a piece of coaching. So you have mentorship. So you have someone coming in and talking to you through your business or through your design work, depending on how you, how you go about it. Um, and they've got to be consistent meetings it's over a long period of time. So like the one I'm in is a year long. My program is a year long. And the reason is because things pop up in your business over the lifetime of six months to a year. So if you're in something that's like only eight weeks long or something like that, I think if you're getting one-on-one, -on -one, that's great. I don't do one-on-one -on -one coaching. I only do group coaching just because we have so many members, so many people I want to make sure and get to. And so as long as you are attending meetings, as long as you are submitting stuff, then you're getting the feedback you need. And here's the thing. We find that especially after the first three months of the program, you're in a rhythm. You like know what you're doing. Like you are like, okay, here's what I'm doing. I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing. So it, it kind of pops up around six months. You're like, oh, hit a rut. Mm -hmm. Like this is what's happening in the business. And so then they're able to come in and be like, okay, this is what's happening, Karina. And I'm like, okay, 
now we need to do this, right? Something happens around the eight or nine mark. Okay, I've been doing good. And the, and the same thing with a year. So the thing is, long-term getting feedback is really, really important because you might at this very moment, like for you, you got the copywriter to check that third email, but then you let your opt-in rates kind of go up, right? Then you kind of see how it's going and you look at your percentage of conversion and you're like, hmm, I wonder if that could be better. What else am I missing here? Right. But you don't know that for another month or so because you haven't been testing it yet. Yep. That's true. That's so true. So in your mastermind are the people in your group, there has to be, I think for a good mastermind, you want people who are at the same level because it's, it's really hard if there's someone who's at the beginning and someone who's, you know, a million dollars a year, you're at very different levels. So is that what it looks like in your mastermind? Yeah. In the one I'm in or in design suite? Both. Yeah. We kind of do it in both in the program I'm currently in. So there are certain levels. And so I, I'm kind of in an upper tier because everyone makes a certain amount of money in order to be in that. So a lot of what's being talked about in that is high level strategy, um, how we can serve, how we can make our customers better. Like, I mean, cause you're not in the nitty gritty of like, you know, at a lower level in your business, maybe you're in the nitty gritty of being um, stressed out about your optimization of this email series, right? Not that that isn't happening at a higher level, but at that higher level, you're spending more time working on your team, onboarding the right people, getting a new director of operations. Like you're more interested in like, how do I create this system and this business that really works and moves you know, for you? In my program, we've created levels. So we have a university level, which is just the coursework. A lot of times this is for people who don't have the time their current life, you know, circumstances, they just need coursework because they just need to get started. Masterminds are mid-tier level, and it tends to be mostly people who are getting started. Almost everyone in that um, in that program doesn't know Illustrator yet, so they're really starting at ground level. Um, some of them actually have really amazing expertise. Like we have someone in there that's a phenomenal typographer, but we have to get her learning Illustrator really well so we can get her stuff into font format. Um, so like, it doesn't mean that they're not phenomenal and amazing in their own rights. Um, we have a couple of people who are extremely good at procreate, like way better than me at procreate, but they don't know illustrator. So we have to like push them into that illustrator piece. And then our most popular program is elite. That's our high tier. Um, they just meet more often. Most of them, there are people who quit their jobs and they just do the program because they're just doing this full time so they can learn how to make money. Um, and truly treating it like university coursework. And those people, most of them do know a bit of Illustrator or they have enough of background in the design industry that we can spend more time working on strategy. The conversations tend to be more, we're ripping everything apart. Like, how do we make this better? How do we scale this? How do we make this tight? How we build the collection? Make sure this collection is like phenomenal. Um, We've been spending an awful lot of time in masters, building a great master print that tends to be the hardest thing for fabric designers. They they don't understand how to create a great master print. Um, so we're always digging deep into that, but really looking at their artwork so they can see how do we make this better. Hmm. This is the problem with holding hosting a podcast. Everyone I talk to, I'm like, well, now I need their product. <laughs> I need to join. It's all the things. It sounds amazing. And as a fabric designer, I'm like, ah. Oh well, that sounds amazing, but there is so much value to what you're offering to having those different tiers because it really does not 
serve a customer well to be thrown in a pool of someone who's at all these different levels. So you've done a very good job of putting them at the right level and helping them succeed to the next level and giving them a path to move, you know, on. Yeah, it really has been so fun to watch and it's a fluid program. So we're constantly changing it. Like we're about to have, at the time of recording this, we do four virtual conferences a year for the masterminds and elites. They all come to it. We bring in guest speakers. Um, we have speakers from within the program that have amazing specialties. Like the people who come into the program are phenomenal. Um, just the typography person I was just telling you about, she is doing a whole thing on typography and how to get it into It's just mind blowing. We have someone who's talking about keywords, keywording everything. You know, we have someone else who knows how to take photographs and really like build them out into really cool poster illustrations. So here's the deal. Not only are you building a community if you're doing something like this, but you're building like this crazy inside scoop of information, because if the right people are coming into your program, which we do a very, we have a vetting process. You have to come through a design boot camp for us to even, you have to understand our principles and stuff for us to even consider you to come into the program. And that way we can see that you understand what we're going to teach, why we teach it. And then we just attract amazing people. doesn't mean that we don't all have holes. Everybody has holes, right? Yep. But as a community, we have an, a ridiculous amount of knowledge and connections. That is awesome. And I have been seeing some of your ads. My question, well, where this is going, sometimes people feel like I don't have a huge audience. You know, I don't have a big presence on social media, blah, blah. I don't, Talk to me on this fear and how to break down that barrier. Yeah. Audience building literally is only if your goal is a contract. Okay. And I actually don't treat, I don't teach that contracts is the way you should go first. Contracts should be over time. Or if you already have an audience like you do, Elizabeth, you have an amazing audience and you already have the stipulations, like the things needed to become a fabric designer, which is why you're, you're such an amazing, I'm really excited about your line. It's going to be phenomenal. Um, and I just think it's going to be so fun and good. But if you're scared of building an audience, guess what? There are lots of ways to design with zero audience building. You don't have to have an audience to become a digital fabric designer. Okay. And, and, or any other kind of designer. And so the truth is that we, we've got to really start rethinking, have a mindset switch and become great designers, not great going after the single contract. Because one of the things I think I've seen happen over the years, and just because I've been over a decade in the fabric business, oh my gosh, is it been it's been a really long time. I'm not even going it, to, it has been over a decade, but I'm like, oh gosh, it's been a while. What I've seen is I'll see designers create one line and then nothing else. Yeah. They fall off the place. And I'm like, do you know what happened there? It's because they didn't identify themselves. They had imposter syndrome or something. They didn't identify themselves as designers. One of my main goals for my designers is that they come out of my program and they know their designers, even if they haven't made a lot of money yet, which most people don't in the first year. So it's like to get you moving forward is that you know you're a designer, you design every day. And so when you get the first contract, you will follow it up with the second and the third, and you will get multiple lines. You don't fall off the face because you know who you are already. It's part of your identity. Which is huge. That is so huge as any kind of designer. Like, well, okay, I also feel like 
sometimes people think, man, if I can just get that contract with this company, I will make it. And that's their only goal is this one contract. And that's huge because then it, they sign and it does it. It's not the magic golden whatever they thought it was going to be. And so they're like, well, I'm done with this. And they leave. But if you identify as a designer and you are working. And when you say every day, I'm curious, how much time do you say someone should be working on their art every day? Depends on how fast you want to make six figures. I mean, All right, I, like you that. Are, I mean, here's the deal. We have designers who work full time. And they would um, open up their computers at 5 a.m. in the morning and work for two hours in their design, then go to their job, Saturdays and Sundays, design. Those same people, of course, also ended up quitting their jobs because they're now they're designing eight, nine hours a day if they want to. But the thing is, you guys, if you are doing what you love for a living, and you and I both know this, Elizabeth, like if you are doing what you love for a living, it is not hard to work an eight-hour day. Like yep. if anything... One of my issues, my kids will tell you, is they'll be like, mom worked all day. And when we say all day, I start my morning at 5 a.m. And I've been known to go straight through until 5 p.m. And just easily because I'm doing what I love so much. Okay. So I just think um, great design. I would say an eight-hour day. Like you got to treat it like a job, right? It's like if you are doing a five-hour, a five-day work week and you work for eight hours a day, you're treating it like a design business, like it's your design career, and you should make money that matches that, right? Absolutely. But I do also like bringing in that, what you talked about, because so many times people get stuck in the, the starving artist mentality where they art, 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 but you have to tie in that business aspect, you know, to learn how to do it smart. And so I think remembering that and also retraining the way we think that you can earn money as an artist. Absolutely you can. Not only can you earn money, you can earn a lot of money because the crazy thing is we took what I was doing for the last, you know, 14 years in my business and we applied all my own strategies that we teach in Design Suite. We've added two new shops this year and we expect both of them to do both of them each at least 50 to $100,000 each. So what Dang. I'm saying is that if you are doing it smart, if you are building smart, you can take what you are doing and 10 exit over the years. That's how I have a, my expense. My program's expensive, but I actually know the ones who invest in it, they're going to make it because yep. they will a hundred exit. Like it actually is the cheapest fee ever. If you're starting to make six figures a year, right? Oh, absolutely. Well, and that's another thing people are like, it costs how much? It's like, no, no, you look at what you get out of it, you know, not how much you're putting in, but how much will you get out of this? And also, I mean, side tangent, I've heard people who create a course and they're like, well, it took me this long to make it. So I'm going to charge this much. I'm like, no, no, I charge based on what people get out of the course. You know, it, it could take me five minutes to create something, but if they get a huge return on that, I like to charge what people get out of it, not how much I put into it, regardless if it's a ton or a little, but, um, and then really quick before we go, I wanted to, you touched on this, but the idea of women being afraid of earning money, being afraid of charging what they're worth. Talk to me on that. Cause you just touched on it. And this is one that I'm very passionate about. Yeah. I'm kind of like also the crazy person who is like wanting to like give hugs to my fellow women and be like, you get to make money just like anybody else. Not only do you get to make money, but in a lot of ways you get to choose how you do it, which is why I love design, because I think we're all creative creatures and being able to express that creativity in a way that brings us income 
is really powerful. It's powerful for us and it's great modeling for our children, for those of us who have children. I think it's a really good way to go. I have two teenage daughters and then I have a son. But my two teenage daughters are both doing creative things. One of them's getting into animation. The other one does streaming. And I've been watching her build all these things. And she she's getting it because she's modeling, right? Because she sees that creativity makes money. And I think the whole starving artist thing is because what you are seeing, especially on Instagram, I will flip through Instagram and I'll see all these feeds that are full of designs. Just beautiful, beautiful designs. They have 900 followers, okay? The following actually doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. But I see on that they're looking for contracts. And I'm like, oh, they don't know how to do sales. Oh, they don't know how to do strategy. Oh, they don't know how to run their business. They just know how to design. And that is the problem. If you can't get to that next level, which is sales, strategy, and business, which They are easier than you think. Those are big, scary words to women. And the truth is that they are so easy, especially if you're doing it smartly and doing the distribution smartly, that all you will want to do is sales strategy and business, because you'll figure out that if you can design three days a week and spend two days of your work week in production and distribution, that you can make money. So starving artists is because there are all these people out there who really aren't making money. Mm -hmm. But if you're thinking smart, you should be able to make money. Well, and my favorite is when I come across someone with a really small audience, I didn't really know who they are. They're an artist. And all of a sudden I find out they've got this huge email list. They're earning a million a year. I'm like, whoa, where did you come from? You know, it's like this hidden little underground group of successful artists and women. I really do love when it's women because there, I have found that a lot of women feel intimidated by earning that charging all these things where I'm like, we have got to address this and kick that idea to the curb, you know, that you absolutely are of value and you have skills, you know, and if you don't have them, you can learn them. And even if you don't have a college degree or whatever, you know, you can have success and you're worthy of that. Yeah. And don't you think that idea is the thing that keeps them down? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That you are a starving artist. That is actually the thing keeping you down. If you start thinking the thought, I could make money doing this. I could pay for all of our vacations with this. I could start bringing extra retirement income from this while we're out in our, our, we have someone who like wants to retire and just be in an RV and she can do this on the go. Like when you start changing your thought into like, what do you really want in your life? And you start bringing a little bit of hope into your life. It changes everything. I get emails all the time from design suite members. I got one actually yesterday from a member and mastermind. Um, cause we were going back and forth about something that she had done that was fabulous. And she said, this has completely changed my life. I wake up for the first time ever in the last 12 years, I, I wake up every day, so excited to start my day. And that's when I'm like, okay. Cause once in a while I'm like, why am I teaching Krita? You have this big design business. And sometimes <laughs> you just want to design. Like my designers know design is my heart and that I just want to design as much as I possibly can. And when I get those emails, I'm like, okay, we're doing something big here. We're changing people. Anyone who really wants to change their lives, they can. It just takes those first steps of implementation. Yes. Well, and I, 
again, I don't mean to sound like, oh, I can tell. But when I meet someone and I hear them say, I am going to do this. I have this in my this in place and these are my goals. I'm like, oh, they're going to do it because they have the mindset. And then I've seen other people where I can hear the excuses. Well, it's not working because the algorithm or it, they just make up the excuses of why it's not working. I'm like, yeah, they're not, they're not going to make it. And it is it is in the mindset, like the power of your mindset. It's crazy if people understood that you have so much power over your success by how you look at things and how you approach it. That's It's almost scary. It's like, no, I don't want to take accountability for that. I'd rather put the blame of my lack of success on something else. But um, there is so much power in in how we look at life, you know? Yeah, a hundred percent. I will say this every time because here's the thing. People think that, you know, there are these varying levels of designers when the truth is most designers are pretty equal. They're just different styles, right? Mm -hmm. And I will see two designers, even with similar styles, equally as good. And I can always tell you which one's going to win and make money and which one isn't. It's always the one who believes in herself. The one who is making excuses, even though her artwork is literally the same caliber. If she's making excuses, I can tell you right now, she's the one who will quit. It will remain a hobby. It will not be something that makes money for her. Absolutely. And the people who are afraid, which I go through this myself, it is. But if you listen to the naysayers, if you listen to people who are like, no, that's impossible. It's oversaturated, blah, 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 blah. If you are listening to that and believing it, then you're going to believe it, you know? And if, but I thankfully have this fire. If someone tells me no, I'm like, oh, I will prove you wrong, you know? And so I kind of invited, I'm like, go ahead, tell me I'm not going to make it because I that really lights me up, you know? It really motivates me. Yeah, I agree. I'm kind of the same way. But I also recognize just because um, I'm thinking about my own children that sometimes that's hard for people. Like they're kind of the opposite. It's really hard for them to take on the challenge. And for those of you who are like that, go find a community of like-minded people who are going to give you positive energy. Don't Don't listen to the people who are like, this market's oversaturated. I'm an imposter. Like once you start with those thoughts, like seriously, you are down the wrong path. You need to be pushing yourself towards a group of people who are going to tell you, you can win at this. Why can't you win at this? You're as good as anybody else. Yes. And surrounding yourself. That is so true. Surrounding yourself with those positive influences and people so I guess this this has been such a fun chat. I feel just lit up and excited. If to to wrap it up, if you can share just some advice for, and we have a whole thing here. But if you were to say, you know, for a beginning entrepreneur, what would be a little golden nugget you have for them? Okay, the thing I tell Design Suite members, and they will tell you, I'm telling them all the time, probably knocking it into their brains. I'm going to give you this piece of advice. Um, And I think it's because I tend to attract, and I suspect with Elizabeth too, I attract people who are so creative and want to do all the things. They want to be the quilt designer, the fabric designer, the crafting designer, the whatever, all the things, okay? And I am all the things, but it took me 14 years to do all the things. So your goal is to hyper-focus. You should be concentrating on one thing and getting so good at it that no one can touch you. Get so good at it whether it's quilting or fabric or whatever, you just get so good at it and you do it just hyper-focused. That's the thing you're designing everything. That's the thing you're going after every day. It it will give you results. 
And I think very often when we're doing a little bit of everything, we're trying to build our audience on Instagram and we're trying to build our business and we're trying to design fabric and we're trying to design SVG files or Cricut or Silhouette files and we're trying to start another shop and we're starting, you know, like all the things, we see no results and then we give up. And it usually only takes about two months for that to happen. I've seen it. Like, Like I can see all my designers and the ones who are doing that. But those that hyper-focus for a solid three to six months on one thing, they start to make money, so they start to get results, and they have lots of hope for their future. So hyper-focus. Oh, that is beautiful. I love it, and I could not agree more. So yay, thank you for sharing that. And for our listeners who want to find out more or find you, where is a good place for them to find you? Um, Well, so I have a podcast called Make and Design with Karina Gardner. It's more strategic. We're talking about design, getting good at design on that podcast, just making design with Karina Gardner. I'd love to see you there. Um, but if you're just trying to come find out what I'm doing, want to learn more about design suite or design boot camps, which is really where we push people because we want them to understand the strategies involved. You can go check me out at KarinaGardner.com and Karina is spelled C-A-R-I-N-A. Perfect. And I will put the links to those in the show notes for listeners who just want a quick place to find that. So Karina, thank you so much for being here. It was a pleasure. You're just awesome. I just, you resonate this powerful success, but in a loving way. And I I dig it. I just love it. So thank you. Thanks for letting me come on, Elizabeth. Karina, thank you so much for being here. What a fun conversation. Oh, I just love chatting business. I love hearing what's working for other people. And Karina and I chatted just a moment before and after we hit record for the podcast. And she just gave me a little tidbit of advice for the podcast, which she, you know, has her own podcast. But she said the idea to just have more of me record me talking about things you know, on the podcast. And I don't know why I thought, Hmm, I guess that's probably a good idea. I had just been trying to have so many guests, which I still will do. And I love to do it, but I also want to provide you listeners with more of my insight and conversations of things that I've learned. So Karina is just a wealth of knowledge. I loved having her on the show. Definitely go take a look and check out her things. If you haven't, there's links in the show notes. And next week, we have Emily Dennis of Quilty Love, who's going to be the guest. So you do not want to miss that. Emily is so sweet and so fun and has just had major success with her quilting career. And I love that we dive into a little bit of how at first she kind of struggled with that or felt like, me, why me? I don't know that I, you know, I don't have a college degree. Who am I to be having this kind of success and dealing with that imposter syndrome and so much more. So be sure to join us next Friday right here on the Craft to Career podcast. Until then, have a wonderful week. Mm-hmm.